0: Hello, this is William.
1: And hello, this is Jake, and it's time to tune into the world. So we're going to do a short podcast today, just uh, reacting to uh, a major event that's happened in the past uh, day or two, uh, and that is President Trump's uh, ban on uh, travel for people from seven Arab-majority countries Muslim-majority countries, uh, and refugees. So it is a move that's been highly criticized, but one that Trump has stood uh, stood behind over the past few hours and, uh, and all day today, January 29th. So there have been significant protests and um, sort of just outrage on an international scale, too, uh, because it's it seen, this ban is seen as undemocratic, un American, and against the ideals that sort of founded this country, which was an inclusiveness um, and a, a willingness to let in uh, immigrants. You know, America has been the melting pot uh, for so long. And so I think there's a lot of confusion about the ban and specifics about the ban, too. So, William, why don't you. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that?
0: Right. The, you know, there the has been, well, I would, it's fair to say, complete rage at this ban. And, I mean, rightly so. There were a number of refugees who did sell most of their belongings, did give up their jobs, and they did want to come to the U.S., and they'd had, they had cleared all the, the paperwork and bureaucracy. And then to be get on a flight, land in the U.S., and then be told, I'm sorry, you've got to go back, is sort of, it's quite a harsh thing to say. And, and a federal judge has ruled that, you know, if you're here, you're here. With your, with, if you're a refugee, if you're in the U.S., you came. But there's, a, there's something different here. There's something quite new. You know, under the Bush administration, after 9-11, there was a lot of sort of anti-Islam sort of voices in the, in the, in the media and wherever. And, but it never came to fruition. There was, no, there was no ban. And this is quite an interesting uh, thought. You know, when is it right for the U.S. to ban citizens from certain countries, well, you know, for years, you know, we, we were very tough on the Cubans coming to America, and the Cubans were, you know, very tough on Americans going to Cuba, and that that was sort of mutual. And obviously, you know, you know, the in 1979 during the hostage crisis, Jimmy Carter did ban Iranian citizens from coming to the U.S. and whatever. But more interestingly is that there was in 2011 a travel ban on Iraqis. Under President Obama, which is quite interesting. So to see, you know, why is why is there why are there all the protests now, but not in 2011? You know, so so perhaps I think a little bit is the media is spinning this. The, the media has enormous power in America. There was a group, there was a generation of people who, for whatever reason, uh, watch CNN uh, and believe everything they say is 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 the, is the is the fact is the truth. When they've been caught. You know, several times, uh, telling lies or you know, spinning spinning stories in a in a in a negative light, depending on the on the political view of them. You know, any time gun control is mentioned, it's always in a negative light. Any time there is a supposed police shooting, it's always put from one side, that being the side of the of the person being shot, never from the officer's side. This has enormous power, and you couple that with democratic politicians. This really can get people mobilizing, get people you know infuriated over over what's happened to their to their community. Elizabeth Warren was filmed uh, screaming at Logan Airport. Uh, she should have really been sort of thrown out for that. But the real point is, and you know I always try to understand both sides of the story here on this program. As if if you are a listener, you've probably heard, but I don't think there are any of those. But anyway, besides that. Um, why are you going to Yemen? What are you doing in Yemen? Uh, it's an active war zone. There's a proxy war going on between Saudi Arabia and, and, uh, and sort of and Iran. I mean, unless you're a US Special Forces commando, perhaps, but why? Why are you going there? Why are you going to uh, Somalia? Why are you going to Iraq? Why? Why would you want to go to Iraq? You know what? You know what are you doing? You know there's, there's a lot of red flags that should you know if you see someone's passport that says Yemen, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, and Syria. You know somewhere in your mind, regardless of their race or the color of their skin or their religion, you have got to ask yourself, what are you doing in those countries? Because in Syria, there's essentially a state of anarchy. It's civil war, ISIS there's 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 sort of 99% unemployment what you doing in libya again it's bands of militias 99% unemployment what are you doing in yemen there's radical islamic uh, groups there al qaeda is there uh, you know what are you doing there you're being you know... You're, you're not going there simply to start up a business
1: the only people you know who- what am i going to say about this ban is- is that I think it's grounded in a rational fear. It is a it is a legitimate fear that Trump and millions of Americans have expressed about radical Islamic terrorists entering the United States and blowing stuff up. That's that's what the fear is to put it bluntly. I think what the response to the fear has been, which is this ban. I think it comes off as something that was not necessarily well thought out. I think it comes off as a um, quick decision by the Trump administration, but I think it it is in all reality fear that motivated this this ban and the the other thing that we we have overlooked is that we've halted it for 120 days, so it's three months indefinitely for Syrian uh, refugees, and then suspended for who knows how long these uh, you know these seven Muslim majority countries. So I don't know how many people that will affect. I don't know how long this ban will be. Uh, nobody does, I don't think, and so. Yes, we can be worked up about it. Yes, uh, is it maybe an overreaction or poorly planned uh, response to fear, potentially? Is it grounded in some, um, some on some basis? Is it grounded on a legitimate concern that the American people have? Yes, it is. So I know uh, William wanted to talk about the French election, which is coming up. Uh, here in uh, I think a couple of months time so I'll let him uh, speak about that
0: yeah and just before I move into the French election one last thing on the ban I would say that Trump perhaps has you know done this ban as a way in my mind to project his power that he is the president this is what he's going to do and he's not going to take any crap from the media for it you know, this is what he's doing. Also, he's also legitimizing his promises. He said on the campaign, trail, I'm gonna ban all Muslims coming in from coming you know, coming into the United States and he's just done that. Because for the vast majority of people in the United States, not the people not the educated elites in Boston and New York and, and you know in Philadelphia and Philadelphia and and Washington, but for the average rough and tough American in the Midwest and the South and the Rust Belt that, you know, who ended up with the ones voting for him, uh, Muslim immigration and refugees is an afterthought. The, the thought is, how, where's the next meal coming? How can I make my financial situation better? How can I put my kids through college? How can I improve my quality of life? You know, when those conditions are met, then maybe you think about something outside. But to the vast majority of Americans, you know, so what, you know, is, is the response. That's that. Only time will tell to see you know what the repercussions of this. There's already been rumblings in the United Kingdom that this uh, Trump's planned state visit is going to be postponed. Uh, I think that's a real possibility. I think that Theresa May, for political reasons, can't be seen to be you know sort of shaking hands, holding hands with this candidate, and then all of a sudden, he says some ridiculous, crazy things, you know about Muslims, uh, many which is a, you know a relatively large share of the population in the UK it just she can't be seen it would discredit her party it would, it would you know it would hurt her so that's that moving on to the french elections um marie le pen uh, is running essentially a, a two legged race against uh, francois fillon uh, macron the socialist candidate has showed some some fire but really after Hollande, most french people are sick of the socialists they voted him in sort of in an obama type yeah well the the you know the right got us into Iraq and did and this did this and that and look you know my my financial situation is worse off because of the recession. That was the common view. That was the view at the to the view at the time was in France and America. Well, the right wing, the rich, have put me into this financial mess. We got to put someone in to, to shake them up. That was the view at the time. Now things have changed. You know, America's had eight dreadful years under Obama and they've put in Trump. France, in my opinion. I think, is going to put in Marie Le Pen. I think that, yes, she has a, a difficult task. You know, she's not one of the mainstream parties. She has, she's a third party. But there is an increasing view in, in France that she is actually leading the polls for the 18 to 34-year-old uh, age age group, which is absolutely unheard of. That uh, if, You know, if I told, was to tell you that 20, 10 years ago, I'd be laughed at. And she's also quite popular in a lot of these sort of areas that are, Calais especially where she's where uh, immigration and and the jungle camp really has has you know sort of really inflared the French populace but her biggest challenge will be not the first round but the second round because in 2014 in 2015 sorry in October the uh, the the center right and the the well the center left made it a, a sort of a pact to do sol- to use selective voting in a lot of these regional elections where you know instead of having a, a, a sort of a center right a center left and Marie Le Pen uh, from the national candidate run they would only run two candidates therefore making it only run one candidate therefore making it very difficult for Marie Le Pen, Marie Le Pen to win but i suspect she will win uh, the tide is with her, right? You've just had that that big no vote in Italy. This certainly is the the populism tide is still roving around. In Holland, uh, Gert Wilders I think is also going to try and secure a, a victory for him for him for his party. And remember the German elections uh, will be happening in September, and I know people said the AfD have no chance of winning, but so did Trump, and here we are. So that said, I, I predict that Marie Le Pen will win, certainly, with one more terrorist attack in France. I think Europe's due for one more, as ISIS loses Mosul and, and Raqqa. Or I think that Marie Le Pen will win if there's another incident of, of, of migrant violence somewhere in France. And I think Francois Fillon's got to ask himself the question, am I tough enough on, on immigration? Most, front, most Marie Le Pen supporters don't really care about the economy. They care about the the mass immigration, and they care about the the terrorist attacks.
1: Yeah, I mean, Marie—although, I will say, Le Pen's task of winning this election may be harder than what Trump had to do in the U.S. I think that may be the case, because her father ran in an election in, you know, 15 years ago— and was thoroughly crushed. So we'll see. We will have to just wait and see, basically, um, what happens to her. Uh, That actually will conclude our podcast for today. We know it was short, but we just wanted to uh, get a reaction in for the uh, ban and preview the upcoming French election. Thank you for listening.